Praise God. And so today we're going to be celebrating uh, Life Group launch. And so at the end of this service, I'm going to dismiss you directly to the gym. I'm going to preach a little bit shorter. I know miracles, they happen all the time. And so, <laughs> so I'm going to preach a little shorter. We're going to go to the gym. And you might say, well, listen, I don't, I don't really belong to a Life Group. I've never been in a Life Group. Go check it out. To, uh, we have Life Group guides. They're little uh, booklets with all the Life Groups that are listed. You can scan the QR code in every one of them and sign up. It's as easy as we can make it. You can also sign up in some of them with paper right there at the table. And so I encourage you, even if that's not something you've typically done, go check it out, see what connects with you. We've been looking at this series called All the Fields, and, and I encourage you to take notes today as we teach for a few minutes here. Uh, when we look at life in context, it, it of, often uh, brings up all kinds of emotions. Uh, some of us are excited about things, some of us are struggling with things. And they can be the same things. They're just affecting us differently. And through this series, we've talked about the fact that God offers a path to walk and leaders to follow. That his plan always leads us beyond our comfort zones and requires faith. Then we talked about the fact that it cannot be accomplished on our own. But when God makes a promise, he always provides a process and his process fulfills his promise. So all of these things are true, and we've watched as Joshua has, has taken the, the reins from Moses, and he's, he's walking on his God-designed path. He's being led into God's presence. Israel is walking into their promised land. It's not easy. There's been grief involved, but God pushes them forward even in their grief. And now they're going to experience the promise of God. And as they're looking into it, this is what Joshua tells us. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean West. And I have been very specific in using this. I don't need this verse to make my points today. But I'm using this because today you'll hear people that are protesting against Israel, that are pro-Palestinian, and they will say, who really don't understand the, the, what's going on at all. And they will say from the river to the sea, from the river to the sea. And it's been, it's been uh, touted as just this, uh, this, this phrase of kind of resistance, like we want our place in the world. But if you notice what God says from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, it, what they're saying is we want them out of the land that God has given them. That's what that actually means. And so I wanted you to see it in Scripture that when somebody chants that, they may do it ignorantly, but what they're really saying is, I want Israel to be wiped out. That's why that phrase is so important. And it's being, you know, touted as something different. And then he says, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Then he says, verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to the ancestors I would give them. He says again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you to be successful in everything you do. 
Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Again, third time, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So three times God's saying, be strong and courageous. He's giving Israel incredible, great and precious promises. And he says, be strong and courageous. He's landing on the benefit. Not just that you're going to have struggles and and you're going to need strength and courage. But also, I am going with you wherever you go. And here's our big idea today. You never walk alone. Write that down on your, your, the opportunity there in your service guide or online. Write that down. You never walk alone. The creator, the almighty God of heaven and earth goes with you. And God's presence empowers you to receive his promise. Now his presence is revealed in three ways. I'm going to focus on two today, but I've got to mention the third. And the, so I'm going to talk about that one first. The person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God manifest in your life. Then there's the pages of Scripture. And then there's the people of God. And I want to focus on the the last two, the, the pages of Scripture and the people of God. And thought number one is this. God's presence is in His pages. Now, if you say, well, that's just kind of dumb to say it that way. I just like the alliteration of it. So write it down. (laughs) And you can put Scripture next to it if you'd like to. God's presence is in His pages. He gave us instructions in His Word. This is what He said, John chapter 1. Now, I want us to read this out loud. We're going to read verse 1 and verse 14. And I want us to read it together. Ready? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he tells us in John that first the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So how is the word God? Now he's explaining that in verse 14. He's saying, when you see Jesus, you are seeing the word made flesh. So when you and I sit in morning devotions and we read the Bible together, we are communing together with God in his presence. You can't separate God from his word. Now, Israel didn't have complete scripture. They just had what Moses had written. And still, God's word held such power and authority that it was able to usher them in to uh, the promises of God. Great promises. Precious promises. In fact, it said it this way in Joshua 1.8. Let's read it together. Ready? Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So he says first study. That means to read it in order to know it. Get it in your heart, in your mind. Let its meanings become your meanings. Adopt God's vocabulary. It doesn't mean that if you're reading King James that you have to start using thuses and thous. 
But it does mean that you are so familiar with the Word of God that it becomes the thing that proceeds from you in your life. You have studied it. You know it. And then it says to meditate. That means to think deeply while you're focused on God's Word. Meditation has been hijacked by Eastern religions and by the the New Age world and by non-Christian entities. But the truth is, it's a very biblical concept. It means to focus your mind and think deeply about a thing, not just to skim over the top and move on. It's one of the reasons why we do the SOAP method of devotion, because it causes us to read it slowly, to be able to pick out a singular scripture, and to be able to write a a short journal about that. And there's a whole process that you can find online about how to do that properly in your own life. But the reason we do it is because we want to meditate on the word, to get it down inside of us. It means uninterrupted time. It means intentional focus. And when we study the word and we meditate on the word, then the scripture says that we are able to obey the word. That means completely surrender ourselves to his word each and every day. Remember that surrendering our understanding is necessary to following him. But we can't obey what we don't know. We have to know it in order to obey it. And so that's why we study it. That's why we meditate on it. But then there's a promise involved. He says that we will prosper and succeed. So if we study it, meditate, and obey it, then we will achieve the desired goal in a way that there is no lack in life. And you might say, well, hold up, Micah. Uh, Are you preaching a prosperity gospel here? No, I'm reading the Bible here. He says, if you will implement what the scripture says, that there will be prosperity and success in your life. It's not putting a dollar amount on it. It's not putting any particular context around what prosperity and success is. In Israel's life, it was taking over the promised land and establishing a nation. In your life, it might look look different than that. Probably will look different than that. But he's saying, if you will obey the word as you study it and meditate upon it, then there will be prosperity and success in your life. And that brings us to thought number two. Because when we have his presence in our life through the Holy Spirit, when we obey the word and so have his presence in our life in in direction and correction and instruction that we get through the word of God, then thought number two is God's presence is in his people. His people. That's you and that's me. That's the church at large. People help us obey the word of God. People help us obey all kinds of things. Have you ever been driving down the highway and there's a right lane and there's a left lane and there's somebody driving at 30 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour uh, zone in the right lane and then somebody decides that it is their God-given call to regulate everybody else's speed on the highway and so they drive right next to them in the left lane and sometimes they're doing like the speed limit and sometimes they're doing five miles an hour below the speed limit and you're a Christian you're a believer so you do not curse them out loud you're loving Jesus but you'd like to go a little faster than that and so you're going along and you your your temperature is rising and and all the stuff's happening and all the thoughts are there 
and then the moment comes that you pass that cop that's sitting on the side of the road with radar. And you, you go from going, beep, 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 to going, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just love you. I just love you, and you care so deeply for me, Lord. Because you know, had that person not been there doing all their stuff, being all slower than thou, the, uh, the, then you know you'd have been getting a ticket right then and there. And, and, and so you move, somebody just helped you obey the law. His word establishes authority in his people. And together you and I have authority. This is what the Bible says. Let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 1. Ready? God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So Christ has all authority. And the one who has all authority is the head of the church. Sometimes people tell me, oh, you have a great church or you have a good church. And I agree, I am part of a phenomenal church family. But Christ is the head of his church. I have the privilege of working within the context of his church. But the one who has all authority is the head of the church. In fact, in January uh, 2020, I, I taught a series called Kingdom Come. And we taught that the kingdom of God is everywhere that Jesus is. And because Christ is in you and Christ is in me, everywhere you are, the kingdom of God is. That's how God works in his church and works through his church. You, the scripture says, are ambassadors of Christ. You're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. So where you are is the territory of God. And together, we express Christ in the world. So Christ fills his body, and that completes his body. And he perfects his body. And then he fills the world through his body. There, there's no place on earth right now where the church of God is not being represented in some form or some fashion. The church of God is bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. But the understanding of this authority is often perverted. Because people will ask, how do I get that power? How do I get that authority? So I have Christ in my life. Does that mean I, all my dreams come true? All my wishes are fulfilled? And the answer to that is no. God's authority in full is not given to individuals in order to achieve selfish ambition. God's authority in full is given to the church of Jesus Christ as a whole. So the full authority of God is expressed through the church as a product of unity. When the church is unified, it has the ability to change the world. When the church is unified, it has ability to make a difference in the world far beyond what makes logical understanding or what makes sense logically. The, the church in the, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, it revolutionized the world. When the world says it shouldn't be done, it was in fact done. 
And today, a lot of people think, well, the church is just going away. The church is just dying. The church is just weak. The church is just lethargic. Can I just tell you, I absolutely, fundamentally, and vehemently disagree with that idea at all. Because if Christ is the head of the church, and if Jesus already won the battle, then the church, the thing he is ahead of, cannot die. It cannot be snuffed out. It cannot be weak. It cannot be lethargic. It has to be the most powerful entity on planet earth, not because we're all that, but because Christ is in us, and that means we have a hope beyond this world. Amen. Praise God. So the unified church is still changing the world. I don't think the world has an understanding of how powerful the church is. And then honestly, I don't think the church has a complete understanding of how powerful the church is. But the unified church here at Five Lakes is seeing God do exceptional things within this congregation. Why? Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. We together are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ, and we are expanding the kingdom of God. Matthew 18 says it this way. Let's read it together. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. He's saying when believers are unified, I'm there. So when we are with his people, we are in his presence. The presence of God encourages us and supports us and empowers us. God's presence in us empowers us to be difference makers in the world around us. And we get to do that together. And this is why we're passionate about life groups. We're so passionate about life groups that we, are in, we encourage them. I think every believer needs to be a part of a life group. I believe it, and uh, Steve Supertz and I are leading a life group this semester. Why? Because we believe it. We believe in what God is doing and what he does through life groups. Here's the thing, y'all. We don't need each other to be saved. We do need each other to be strong. When we fast, we don't get more saved because we fast. No, we're just as saved as we were before we fast, but we'll be closer together. And I don't need you in order to be saved according to my, in, within the context of my relationship with Jesus. But I might need you, in fact, I absolutely need you in order to be strong in my walk with Jesus Christ. And you might be saying, well, listen, dude, I'm the strongest thing that ever walked planet Earth. I don't need anybody else, and, I don't, and, and so I'm, I'm just not worried about it. That's fine, but don't be selfish. There may be somebody that needs all that that you bring to the table. They may, they, they may need that in your life, in their life rather. They, they might need what you bring to the table. So instead of sitting back and say, well, I have nothing to gain from that, ask what do you have to give being a part of a life group. And so I'm asking you, I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment to go to the gym. I'm going to ask you not to go to get your kids and check them out because they're still in their programming. Our prayer partners are going to come forward. In fact, go ahead and come forward now, prayer partners. I'm asking you to intentionally take the step of engaging with other believers to live life and walk through life with them. Together, we operate in, in his authority. And so we, 
we are intentional about connecting with the people of God in a very real way. And the people that you see leaving quickly right now are people that are going to be standing at those tables that have life groups. We have a bunch of life groups out there. People will be standing at those tables. You can stop and ask them questions. You can scan the QR code and get one of the incredible booklets that have been created, and you can learn all about it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence through the Holy Spirit, through your word, and through your people. And I'm asking you to lead us and guide us. Let us be the unified church that you've called us to be in order to make a difference in the world around us. We give you thanks and praise for that. We believe you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and make your way out right to the right into the gym. I'll see you in there.